Does that help, William? Good evening, folks. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. Just while you're doing that, I was interested to listen to um, Andrew and Luke's, Luke giving the reports. Just wondering, is there any of the young people from the colony that kept Luke up at night? Are they here? Thank you. Luke, you reap what you sow. Thank you. Second Corinthians 4, I want to read verses. Where we'll take the time and read the whole chapter. I want to really want to focus on really three verses in the passage, but we'll take the time and we'll read all of Second Corinthians chapter 4. Scripture reads, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, should shine, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but as the Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed in every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. But since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up Jesus, or knowing he raised up the Lord Jesus, will also raise up us with, with Jesus and will present us with, with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace may spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal, ending or reading there at the end of the chapter. Let's take a moment, let's commit ourselves to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you, Lord, in our inadequacies tonight, in our feebleness, and yet, Lord, we come before you with the most powerful book and the most powerful word before us. May I ask, Lord, that you take up your word tonight and by your spirit, may you apply it to each and every one of our hearts. 
And Lord, may we leave here, um, not having listened to the speaker tonight, but may, may we leave here having listened to you and said it was good to be here because here we met with the eternal God. Father, meet with us, we pray. Amen. The final words of Christ on earth, I'm sure if I, if I asked you all tonight, what was it? Some of you would in some way, way commit or like speak to me the words of the Great Commission. Simply put, as Mark put it, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And that has, been the, that has been the call, that has been the challenge to every believer, every church, every era of, of Christianity, right from Christ's time. To go out and evangelize, to go out and seek to reach the lost for Christ. Whether that's as individuals to our husbands, our wives, our partners, whether, whether that's to our neighbors, our family, our friends, our work college, or whether that's collectively as a church and our weekly events through children meetings, through youth work, through through our Sunday services, and just whatever the church runs. That has been the challenge, that has been the call of the church um, down through the times. And as we come to face, a, as we come in a few weeks' time to, look, to have a 10-day concentrated effort or a 10-day concentrated outreach, as we seek to reach the lost, that has been what God has called us to do, and what, what, what we're asked to do and what the church has been called to do. And when we think of the Great Commission and then we read the book of Acts, the book of Acts gives us those first days, those first years, in a sense, of the gospel preaching as the disciples took that message, as people were saved, as converts took that message, and as they sought to present Christ, it gives us the results of what happened. In fact, Mark, if we'd, if we, if we'd taken the time to read it, Mark and Mark, Mark in his gospel, after he records the words of go ye into all the world and like, preach the gospel, and after Christ, Christ has ascended, Mark finishes his, his the gospel with these words. And they, that is the disciples and the people, they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through, through the, through, through the like, accompanying signs. And they went out and they preached everywhere. And the Lord working with them. Now in the light of what we want to do in a few weeks' time, does the preaching of the gospel still apply? A question I want to ask us tonight, does the preaching of the gospel still apply in the society that we now find ourselves living in? A society that, I was going to say, has plainly, has, has plainly rejected God, but it's, a, it's a, a society that has purposely rejected God. It seems now that we're living in days, that we're living in days. No longer are we living in a little God-fearing nation that we once called it, but we're living in days where even those who should know better, we feel, are rejecting the things of God, are rejecting the authority of Scripture, are rejecting the morality and the, and the way the Bible calls us to live. And they're telling us that your message is outdated, that church is no longer needed, and th that thing that you talk about, sin and the gospel, that is something for a day gone past. We have moved on. But on tonight, as we look at 2 Corinthians, as I say, three verses, verses 5, 6, and 7, I want us to show us tonight that, that, are, that, that there has been no greater time, no better time. The message hasn't changed. The, our outreach goals haven't changed. We need to reach the, reach the lost with the gospel of Christ. Three thoughts for you tonight from verses 5, 6, and 7. Our message, our motivation, and our, and our means. Our message, our motivation, and it means verse 5, read it with me. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, 
and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. The background to Paul making this this significant statement here in verse 5 of of the chapter 4, like about gospel preaching, is very important. It applies equally as much to us today, as you'll see, as it did back, back in Paul's day. Today we sometimes feel we need to change our ways, we need to do things differently, we need, time has moved on and things need to change. And sometimes we're tempted to think that the previous areas of the, or the, previous areas of the church were much easier than what we have today. Church was much easier then. Paul's context is this, turn back with me to chapter 2 for, for a moment. Paul's context is this, as he writes to the church in Corinth, it's a battle between false teachers and true gospel preaching. It's a battle, which is why in chapter 5 he makes this statement, we do not preach ourselves. Turn with me to chapter 2, verse 17. It seems that the church at Corinth was been plagued by false teachers. It says in, it like says in verse 17, for, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God. Sorry, we speak in sight of, of God in Christ. For we're not as so many peddling the word of God. The simple meaning of that there is that they were adulterating the gospel for gain. They were adulterating the gospel for gain. There was people in Paul's day, there was false teachers in Paul's day that had changed the message to suit the hearers. That had changed the message to make them favorable with those that they had to share, share that message with. Whether they were watering it down to have, 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 like, say, financial gain, or whether it was for, like, popularity, or whether it was for some other gain, they were changing the message. And Paul says, no, the message does not change. Their aim was to profit from the sharing of the gospel. It was very easy to bring it into, into like a modern day context and say, yes, we can see those personalities on TV that are profiteering from, from the gospel. Those, are, those people that are on the God channel or on whatever TV channels and they're, they're, they're like a person of their personality, they're saying, come and follow me. They're, we can look at the mega evangelists and, and think, well, they're definitely guilty of that. But you know, it's more than just those that are on our TVs today. More and more today, the message of the gospel, the message that proceeds to promote the message of scripture has been tampered with to fit with public opinion, hasn't it? To fit with society's values of today. We're not allowed to mention the word sin. We're not allowed to mention those things that don't apply anymore. The world has moved on and we need to speak those things that keep us popular with man. Charles Hodge, one of the commentators on this passage, said this of verse 5. To preach oneself is to make self the end of preaching. That is, preaching with the, with the design to attract ourselves the admiration and the, the confidence and the homage of men. To preach oneself is to make self the end of preaching. That is, preaching with the design to attract ourselves the admiration, the confidence and the homage of men. There's so much is presented to us today as um, in, in media and like religion. If you watch any of the TV programs, any of those chat shows and all the rest, when they bring on someone from a religious background, someone with the collar on them, 
It's always those people that seem to want to attract the attention to themselves. People that seem to want to have their message fit in with everybody else. In a sense, there are people that are, there are, people that are profiteering from the sharing of the gospel. They're adulterating the message for the goal of popularity. They're adulterating the message for their few minutes of fame. They're seeking the confidence and the homage of men. So what was Paul's message? What was Paul's message and what still must be our message today? Paul's message is simple. It's in those few words, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Paul's message and our message is simply this, is to bring men and women young and old, to recognize the fact, to get to that point in life, to recognize the the point that they're sinners that need to be saved. Yes, we cannot cause an anxious thought. But our responsibility is to bring that message and to show people from whatever social standing, Luke talked about it there, whether they're rich or poor, whether they have a Bible background, whether they have no church background, from whatever race, from whatever culture, to, to, to that simple knowledge of what the Bible teaches, they're sinners that need to be saved. Now, so much on TV today is presented, if Christ's name is mentioned, we're talking about the love of Christ, but it stops there. Because the message of the gospel truly is the love of Christ. There's no doubt about that. But it's the love of Christ that God sent his son into the world to save a people who are lost in sin. Romans 8, 23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if that just was our message today, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we stopped there, we would fail as well. Because we need to show people that they're sinners before God. We need to show them the Savior of Christ, the risen, exalted Lord, who died in our place for sin. And show them that if they confess their sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. No, there's no greater message today that any of us have than simply share the message of Christ. It's a message that wasn't popular in Paul's day, and it's a message that's becoming less and less popular today, and yet, nevertheless, it's a necessary message. Whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in, whether it's in the home, whether it's, whether it's wherever we, whether in the school, school, school class, and whether it's, whether, it's, whether it's in the university, we need to draw attention to people that, that the Christ Jesus of the Bible is the Messiah sent of God. No, it's a wonderful privilege tonight to be able to say with the hymn writer, it is well with my soul. It's a wonderful place to be tonight. No, we all have possessions, we all have different degrees of material gain tonight and, and, and earthly things, but I guarantee there's none of us that know Christ tonight would, would hold on to one of them if we, if we had to swap them for our soul's salvation. We need to proclaim, our message doesn't change, we need to proclaim Christ as the saviour and liberator of sin. The one, in, the one who not only frees men, from, men and women from the power of sin, but frees men from the guilt of sin as well. My sin, oh the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin not in part but in whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord of my soul. Now we have a wonderful message tonight. 
We have a wonderful message to share. It's a message that doesn't change. It's a message that cannot change. To change it in any way, we would be guilty of the false teachers in Paul's day of, of, of adulterating the message of the gospel. We need to present, we need to preach Christ Jesus as Lord. Christ Jesus, in other words, he is the saviour of sin. And then when Paul says, we, 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 we preach Christ Jesus as Lord, he's saying that's the demand of total obedience and those of us that are saved that we live the way God calls us to live. There's nowhere in Scripture where I see, where I read, that we, we can come to faith in Christ and then live whatever way we want to live. The message is we come in faith in Christ, we come confessing our sins, we come and accept Christ as Savior, and we live the way, by His strength and by His enabling, the way He wants us to live. So as you come to a time of outreach, outreach in a few weeks' time, and what we do on a, on a weekly basis as well, Never be, never be tempted to change the message. Yes, we presented with grace. Yes, we presented with, 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 with dignity and all the rest. Yes, we present a message that, um, that, that and, and our mannerisms that we don't offend people. But don't be shocked if the message we preach does offend. The message itself will offend. The message itself, when we tell people that they're sinners, when, the Bible, when we tell them that the Bible says they're sinners, will offend. But there's nothing we should do in how we present that message should seek to offend. Nor as we seek to reach those, those for the lost over the next few weeks and, and especially in the mission time. Let's be able to go before people to bring them invites, to, to, to invite them along that our lifestyle up to this point, that our, that our testimony to this point hasn't offended. That we can simply ask them and share, share the message with them and invite them to come in. So verse 5, our, our message hasn't changed. In and, and an, a changing word, our world, our, our like message never changes. But verse 6, our, 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 our like motivation. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks in verse 6 about his motivation to share the message of Christ. Paul speaks of the desire, of the driving force behind him, of that thing that gets him out to, to share the gospel with whoever who, who he reaches. And that's what the word for is at the start of verse, verse six. It, it's connecting to the motive or to the, to the message behind. And Paul says his motivation for really put a simple motivation for sharing Christ with others, for sharing the message of the gospel, is what God has done for him in Christ. This one-time religious Jew, this Pharisee who knew the law inside out, this person who hated the way, the way hated the new believers, hated the new followers of Christ, hated them with a passion that he had, went about killing them had his own heart illuminated on, on the Damascus road and there he saw the risen Christ in all his glory and, and his heart was changed and he came to faith in Christ. And Paul simply now wants to share that faith with others. It's interesting watching young children play. I'm sure those of you that do Christ and all the rest have great fun on Sunday mornings when the toys come out. And this one child wants the one toy and everybody else wants that one toy and they start to fight over it and they start, this is mine, I'm holding on to it. And sometimes we act like that with the gospel, isn't it? This is my salvation and, and I'm holding on to it. 
and I'm not going to share it with anyone. And yet the realization is that the, that, that the gospel salvation or the salvation that we have on the message of salvation that we have is something that's not a selfish possession, but it's something that God calls us to share. Notice the miracle of salvation here. And this, is, this catches me every time when I read it. And I, I, hopefully I can bring this across to you the way, the way that it's called me. Paul likens the, 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 the illumination of his heart to the truth of the gospel message, to that moment of creation when God said, let there be light. And we all know the first three verses of Genesis. Genesis, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then in verse 3, And God said, let there be light, and there was light. (coughs) Imagine, take yourself back to the very dawn of time as we know it. I know, we, I know man wasn't made then, but if you can imagine, if you can come with me to this, imagine what it would have been like being an onlooker at that event. Known nothing but darkness, never have known light, never have known what light even was if you knew the word, never have known anything but just simple blackness. Imagine that moment when you heard the voice of God saying, let there be light, and light suddenly illuminated the earth. See, light brings, light brings a completely different perspective to our surroundings and the situation we find ourselves in, doesn't it? Trying to fumble in the mornings to put on your clothes instead of putting on the light in case you wake, wake in the one beside you. Trying to do those jobs because the power has failed and, and all the rest and you're fumbling around the house and you're bumping into things. Maybe it's okay in a room that you know, but being in that strange place and suddenly the lights go out and you can see nothing and you're you're nowhere. And light brings a completely different perspective in in everything we do. And and when God's light has come into our hearts and the gospel, it brings a completely different perspective on how we live our lives, doesn't it? Those that are saved maybe later in life, those that have come maybe from a background that wasn't gospel background, that were never brought up with, brought up with, with the truths of the scripture, that when they come to faith in Christ and, and their hearts are illuminated by the word of God, it makes such a different perspective on how they see things and how we do things, doesn't it? We're driven now by the light of the glorious gospel of God. And yet Paul likens his conversion, as I say, to that mem- that truly momentous moment when God said let there be light but in a sense it's some note here it's something greater than the creation story notice what he says it says for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness so God commanded light God said let there be light and then Paul says who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus God didn't say Paul saying God didn't say let there be light in your heart now let you be saved It says he actually became that light and shone into our hearts. It brings a new perspective to Jesus being the light of the world, doesn't it? The one that personally illuminated our minds and our hearts to the knowledge of God. You know, the illuminating power of the gospel, the illuminating power of of God and and salvation... (coughs) allows the sinner to clearly see his, himself before an almighty God. First, I ask you, what is the greatest thing you've ever seen? And we maybe would comment on maybe different things, but probably the greatest thing are those of us that are saved that have seen 
whether we were five or six years of age or whether we were older in life, was our knowledge of how we stood before God and the knowledge that we needed our soul saved. Paul's motivation is for what God has done for him. I want you to note verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, since we have this ministry we do, and we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Paul never lost sight. Paul never lost sight of the privilege of having ministry, of sharing the gospel, and he never lost sight of the mercy that he had received. Sometimes we can get apathetic in our Christian walk. We can be so busy in life and so tied down with work and jobs and family that we can become, become apathetic. We can become, become, we, we can become lethargic. We've lost sight of the privilege that we've have in sharing the gospel and being ministers of Christ. And we've lost sight of the mercy that God has shown in us. And there was this two-pronged thrust that kept Paul going in the entirety of his earthly ministry. Through all the difficulties and through all the challenges that he faced and all the rest. Now it's easy to lose heart. It's easy to give up. When we seek to invite someone or share the gospel or someone and we get rebuffed or we get laughed at or we get ridiculed or we get sneered at and all the rest and people come together and they're sniggering together. Do you know what your man said and all the rest? Well, it's in school or work. Or maybe it's when we testify to biblical values and standards and standards, and people say, so you're outdated, you're, you're, you're in the past. Serving God and testifying for God and living for the Lord will be a difficult and will be a testing experience. It always is. It means going against that popular flow of opinion. But just when we think we get a difficult, and we, we, we will get a difficult, but just when we think we get a difficult, look at verses 8 forward up that we read. This was Paul's not losing heart. Verse 8, hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For this, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly weight of glory. You see, Paul had an eternal perspective. And Paul held very loosely onto this earth. I've often seen it in believers, believers that are walking with the Lord and close with the Lord, the older they get, the closer they, closer they get to the three score years and ten beyond it. How loose, how sometimes they seem to loose, lose the, 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 or loosen the bonds to this earth. And realize earthly possessions and realize earthly gain is nothing in the sight of the eternity that God has prepared for. May our motivation in the weeks ahead may, it be, may it always be thinking of the mercy that God has given us and the ministry that he's given us. Each one of us have a unique ministry here as believers. Each one of us have a, and has been said often before, have a connection with people, have a certain people that we rub shoulders with on a regular basis that nobody else in the church rubs shoulders with. Each one of us have a unique ministry. Whether it's in primary school, secondary school, whether it's in office or, the, or in the ward or wherever it is in the farmyard, each one of us have an opportunity and a ministry that God has called us to. 
And God is, God is simply calling us as individuals to, to have that desire to seek ordinary people, to see them coming to faith in Christ. As elders, we've called the church and we've called, called folks to simply pray and invite over this next few weeks. Pray and invite. Not allowing the fear of man, and the fear of man is a massive, massive thing, but not allowing the fear of man to be a snare but to see souls needing salvation. Our message is unchanging in an unchanging world. Our motivation is thankfulness for what God has done for us. And finally in verse 7, our means or the abilities that we have to do this job. Verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels or in jars of clay, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. If the God of eternity, the same God of creation who spoke creation into existence, the same God that has shone into our hearts and given us the commission to go and share this gospel with others, to go and share this life-changing message of salvation and eternity with God, if he has given us such a challenge, what has he given us to do the task ahead? With the way farming has changed over, over this years, I'm quite sure if I ask some of you farmers to come and plow for me and I give you a donkey and a single for a plow and showed you a 15 acre field, you'd look at me and walk away. You'd say, you can't, are you serious? Give us the means, give us the tractor, give us the plow, give us the, give us the means to do the job. And, you, and you'd probably be rightly so. And yet what has God given us for the task ahead? He's given us, a script, as Paul calls it, earthen vessels of jars of clay. He has given us with all our fears, our failures, our feebleness, our frailties, our anxieties, our idiosyncrasies, our notions, our awkwardnesses and twistedness, our insecurities and our weaknesses, all those things. He's given us all that. And he say, take that and use it. Use it for my glory. Why has God given us uh, such a feeble and frail body to share such a wonderful message? Well, he gives us the answer. Paul gives us the answer in the second part of verse 7 that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. I hit the phrase and hit, this, hit it in the right sense that um, uh, I know what people mean when they say it, but um, when, they, when they say, and they say, you know, I had the privilege of leading someone to the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. It is a privilege to be feeble of us that we have the privilege of sitting down with people and sharing the message but at no point do any of us bring someone to salvation. We simply bring the message and allow God to act in power. None of us have the ability, none of us, no matter how good we think we are, have the ability to shine light, to shine the light of the glory of God into anyone's heart. That's God's doing. But God has given us with all our frailties, God has given us such a weak body that the glory and the excellence of power may be of him. Over the last number of missions, over the last number of years, as we go back as long as I can remember, and folks have been saved and folks have come to faith, we just say thanks be to God. To God be the glory. No, the excellence of the power of God, God is the opposite of, of what Paul was speaking about earlier, about the false preachers. 
False preachers seem to draw such attention to themselves at the powers in them that they have the ability to, to do all those things. And yet God has called us to share this gospel. It's somewhat strange, isn't it, that, that in the divine law of God that he wants to work through us, that when we're weak, we're strong. Our weakness gives God and, and sense the strength. Turn over with me a few pages to chapter 12, verse 9. Paul's speaking about his thorn in the flesh. He's speaking about the difficulties that, he, that he's had in the ministry and all the rest. And in verse 9, he says this. He says, um, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, most gladly, I'd rather bo- I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Now, straight away, when we say to folks, and, and I'm the same sometimes, when I'm, uh, those I want to invite to the mission, those I want to invite to the Agronite, uh, uh, and in a sense, you're fearful and all the rest, and, and, all the, uh, and, you're, and you're worrying what they'll think, and you're worrying what they'll say, and yet that's good. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can, all, we can do all things, 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 things through him, that his grace is sufficient in us. That when we're weak, we're strong. That the power, may be, the power of Christ may rest on us. Now, if each one of us tonight, as we come to time of mission, as we come to a close tonight, if each one of us tonight would be praying fragile, fearful believers for this next three, four weeks, inviting people and trusting God and seeking God's face and depending on his power, it will be one of the most powerful weapons that any of us could have. One of the most powerful weapons that God can use. If you're saying tonight, well, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do the other, and that's good. Because God can use your weaknesses. God can take all our weaknesses and all our failties and use them for his glory. If we allow him to work through us and allow his power to work through us. Now, as we come to a time of specific outreach, as we come to a time where we want just lovingly to see people under the sound of the gospel, let's have utter confidence. Utter confidence in a life-changing message, and a life-changing, unchanging message in a changing world. Let's be motivated afresh. Let's be motivated afresh for what God has done for us in Christ. The thought of an eternity in hell thought of an eternity in hell, to give up our salvation for an eternity in hell is something none of us would do. Yet that's be motivated to see that no one else, those who be rubbed shoulders with, do not spend eternity in hell because we didn't share our faith with them. Let's be motivated to do what God is, for what God has done for us that they do it in the life of others. And that's through all our fears and through all our weaknesses through all our hang-ups, let's be the praying, dependent people. That we have a message to take to the people, that we have a message to, to share with others, that God's power can be revealed in such an amazing way. Now the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner coming to faith in Christ. Let's be people through, our, through prayer and through seeking to reach out Allow the Spirit of God to move in hearts and minds and people. 
that one day when we stand in glory, that we can rejoice in the fact and glory in, glory in the glory of God that through our actions and our faithfulness, we invited someone, they came, they heard the gospel and they were saved. Wouldn't that be such, such a wonderful thing to happen, wouldn't it? We'd look back and wonder why we were so fearful or why we worried so much to see someone's life change and someone know Christ as Savior and Lord. Let's pray before we sing. Father, I pray that tonight, Lord, that even the words of the speaker just wouldn't be empty words, Lord, yet you'd stir my heart. Lord, help us to truly realize, Lord, we have a message to take to the nations. But Lord, we have a message to take locally that, that, that salvation is of the Lord, that Christ Jesus is Lord and Savior. Lord, help us to be motivated again. Motivated by the ministry and the privilege that we have of serving you. And motivated truly, Lord, by the mercy that you've shown to us. And Lord, thank you for the means that you've given us, Lord. Feeble, frail people, feeble, feeble, frail bodies, and yet, Lord, that the glory, of, maybe, glory and power may be of God and not of us. Lord, be pleased to work through each and every one of us, we ask, over this next few weeks. And for those that will testify, for those that will speak, for those that will be part of, the, part of the mission week as well, Lord, we just simply ask that you'd work through them as well, we pray. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.